and welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I am Stella. We are recording live on Instagram as well as recording the podcast. Uh, thank you so much to those of you who are joining us and um, who are listening currently. I am in Italy for the next three weeks, maybe, I know, three weeks, and then I'll be in Spain and then I'll be home, which is very exciting. I am very much looking forward to uh, getting back to the States, though I have had a wonderful time on my trip. Um, I wanted to go with the next part in our boundary series. We will talk about emotional boundaries. Um, I did get some writing done, which I'm super excited about, and I wanted to come on and share that with you guys. Um, the boundary of emotions is really interesting because it's all about your feelings, and um, you know, the last time we talked about time, and I did some writing on that as well. Um, it was interesting to think about how I manage my time now that I don't have any expectations of my time other than my own expectations. Um, I woke up this morning kind of late and you know got up really slowly and I thought about the fact that in a few weeks that won't be the case. Like I won't need, I won't have that same luxury of getting up and, and um, kind of following my own biological clock and, and setting my own expectations. Um, I got up this morning and uh, I, you know, leisurely got ready and I went for a walk. I went to the um, to the train station to buy my tickets for Napoli. Uh, I'll be going back to Naples and then uh, on to the next place. So I just really kind of acknowledge that luxury, like I said, in a space of gratitude for right now having no expectations on my time other than my own, which is really nice. Um, emotional boundaries are a little bit different. And uh, so I did want to to process a little bit of that and, and really considering um, growing up and how codependency is formed, a lot of times uh, our emotional needs are either not met or they're met with uh, adversity or frustration. In my case, um, I can remember being called sensitive since I was very, very small. And, uh, and I was, and I am, um, I am a highly emotional human being. I cry all the time. Part of that is my Pisces nature. And part of that is being a hyper empath. I think a lot of times when people grow up in uh, kind of chaos or with trauma, um, we tend to want to manage our own needs. And, you know, as I've talked about before in the podcast, a lot of times we are trying to manage or control other people's emotional response. And so in doing so, we are not managing and controlling our own or we're shoving it down. Um, and so really talking about the emotion of boundaries um, and being a sensitive human that I am, what I learned how to do is to shove my own emotional response down. And I also learned how to build up walls and uh, had a whole fortress around my tender little heart, uh, starting at a pretty young age. And I, in processing and doing the writing, what I recognized is that I was really good at putting on a mask um, and not being emotionally responsive, um, so much so that uh, by the time I got to high school, um, nobody knew that I was dealing with like major depressive disorder and a full-blown eating disorder. People just didn't know. Um, and, and even if they did have like an inkling or, or whatever, they, 
they weren't asking the right questions. So I had learned to just kind of put on the mask and, and really um, hold my own emotions so close that people, you know, assumed, I guess, that I was fine. Um, I mean, I had some close friends who kind of knew that there was stuff going on, but um, it's interesting to talk to people from that time. And, um, you know, they were like, you were so outgoing and you were so friendly and you, you know, were always cracking a smile and a joke and whatever. And you were really good at, you know, people could talk to you about anything. And that's true. All of that is real. Um, and also I was holding uh, my own shit so close that people didn't know that I had shit that I was dealing with. Um, in fact, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's comical, maybe, maybe not, you know, funny, haha, funny, interesting, but, um, people didn't realize that I had lost my dad in high school. Like it, it was a big thing at the time. It was at the end of my sophomore year. Um, but everybody in high school just remembers that I was like funny and outgoing and whatever. Um, so it, it what it does indicate to me is that I did a really good job of like putting on this mask and not letting anybody see my emotional vulnerability. Um, and so when you think about growing up in codependency or being codependent, you recognize that your emotional needs take a secondary role to the emotional needs of other people. And oftentimes we will put on a mask and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a happy mask or a positive mask. It's just a mask, right? Um, I talk a lot with, uh, friends of mine now who recognize that like social media is very much a mask, right? It's very much that uh, frontward facing persona of what we want people to see versus what is actually happening. And so when you think about the idea of having an emotional, um, emotional vulnerability or creating emotional boundaries, like I said, a lot of us have created walls. A lot of us have created this armor to protect our, our feelings uh, from the outside world. And then we only kind of let those things out under certain circumstances. Um, I talk a lot about this idea, especially with anxiety and depression, uh, that people put on a whole suit of armor and to protect themselves, right? And and I talk about it, I call it the Sphinx effect. Um, and especially with people like who have anxiety like I do, um, in the world, I will put it all together. Like I will hold it all in. And, you know, I'm very functional out in the world. I run a business. I do all the things. Um, you know, I think about that idea of like people asking how you are in the elevator and you're like, I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's awesome. Um, my girlfriend and I are always talking about like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. It'll be fine. All the things are fine. Um, we're not, you know, I mean, yes, there are moments where we are fine and everything is good, but for the most part, really thinking about before you leave the house, we put on that suit of armor of like, I have to get all of these things done generally for other people. And so my own shit is going to have to take a back seat or I'm going to just put it on the shelf and I'll deal with it later because I've got lots of things to do. Um, and people have expectations of my behavior and my comportment and how I'm supposed to, you know, get this list of things to do done. And what happens is that emotional piece is either kind of festering or it's not getting addressed. Okay. Um, and so I think about emotional needs, certainly from a young, you know, a young person's perspective, like a child's perspective, we talk a lot about kids having big feelings and they are able to express them up until a certain point. Oftentimes when kids have big feelings, 
parents want to manage them, right? Um, you think about a kid throwing a fit or a tantrum, uh, we want them to be, be quiet or stop, it's fine, we're okay. Like We tend to minimize their emotional response because it creates an emotional response for us. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's interesting to think about the fact that a lot of codependency is managing other people's emotions. And in doing so, we are neglecting our own emotional needs. And when we are emotionally vulnerable with other people, that can feel very, very intense and it can feel really intimidating to do. So we want to select certain people that we can be emotionally vulnerable with. And sometimes we think that, you know, we can just, I'm going to share all the shit. Um, and then we, based on other people's response or reaction to it, then we pull back. And some of us will pull back a lot. Some of us won't even step into that exchange with people because we have been identified as intense. We have been identified as too much. We have been identified as sensitive. Um, and I know that for myself, like I said, I people called me sensitive since I was very small because I was often reactive from an emotional perspective. And once you hear that enough times, you don't want to be too much. You don't want to be a burden. And when you are in a position of managing other people's emotions because their emotions are intense, you don't want to then match that energy, right? And so really recognizing that our emotional needs get sublimated or pushed down or put on the shelf so that we can attend to the other things, especially if we are very sensitive. Coffee. Mm. I, um, I bring up, you know, kind of high school because that was kind of the peak of my hormonal and emotional, like, bigness. Um, and then I shoved it down and shoved it down and shoved it down. Um, a lot of people don't know. My clients, I've shared with them when it's emotional, when it's therapeutically appropriate. Um, so high school was rough. Lost my dad at the end of my sophomore year. Went through the next two years just kind of shoving it down and, you know, not eating and, and doing stuff. I, I got really good at not uh, addressing my emotions. And then right after I graduated, uh, I ended up in a mental hospital uh, after a suicide attempt. And um, that was, it was pretty intense. Um, I was able to get out of the hospital and then I immediately left New Mexico and I went to Colorado. But really identifying that emotional vulnerability and recognizing that having the very big, intense grief emotions that I was having, I was not, I did not feel safe having those in my home. Um, because again, I was managing other people's stuff. So my own needs shoved down. Um, that went on for years, and I have told people that it took me about two years to grieve the loss of my dad. Um, lost him in 1989, and then I lost a boyfriend in um, 1992. Um, so I was dealing with grief that whole time, but I wasn't dealing with grief, right? Um, really recognizing who you can be emotionally vulnerable with is something that is something to be aware of now with the education and awareness of what are my feelings and who can I share them with. At the time, I didn't feel like I could share them with anyone. And so I continued to sublimate or shove them down. Uh, sublimation is a therapeutic term for shoving your feelings down. And a lot of us will do that with 
you know, a lot of distractions um, with substances, with relationships, with taking care of other people. Like it is so much easier to externalize that energy than to deal with it yourself. Um, and so if you don't have anyone safe that you can be emotional with or that you can process your emotions with, you're going to put them on the shelf. You're going to shove them down. You're not going to deal with them. And they will come up in a lot of probably unhealthy ways. Um, and so that idea of having boundaries around your emotions is it feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable to be vulnerable. Um, and like I said, I, I built a lot of walls. Um, the first time I went to the Parthenon uh, was in 2021. And there was all these, um, this like rubble from, you know, these ancient ruins <laughs> laying around. I took a picture of it and I was like, here is the remains of all the walls that I have built. Uh, they're still there and I can use them again. But really thinking about the fact that we tend to build these walls because we think we're protecting ourselves. The challenging piece about having emotional walls or barriers is, yeah, you're protected, but you also aren't allowing yourself to interact in a vulnerable way because it's not safe, right? Connection is very limited by these walls. Whereas like if you have a boundary, um, you know, I think I talked about when I was in Ireland, there's these hedges and like low walls and there are gates. Like that is a better um, metaphor for a boundary than walls and fortresses that keep us safe. What they're doing is they're minimizing our connection or our authenticity or our vulnerability. So um, one of the ways to kind of identify how to even consider creating an emotional boundary would be like, who do you feel safe being that, that big version or that sensitive version of yourself with? Do you have those people? Can you identify? And a lot of times I use the accountability buddy uh, concept all the time because not only is your, your accountability buddy someone that can hold you accountable, but they're also someone that you can be vulnerable with. And that vulnerability is actually a superpower. Um, Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability. When I was doing my writing, I just Googled vulnerability and what it, what it says oftentimes is a weakness. And a lot of times emotionally, if we are vulnerable, we do feel somehow weak. We feel less than. Um, and for those of us who want to be, you know, present and help take care of other people, we don't see other people's emotional vulnerability as weakness. We see our own as emotional weakness. Um, and it's, it's a really big challenge to then allow yourself to be emotionally vulnerable with someone else. So your accountability buddy or whoever you have called into your life, that there is a reciprocity in that vulnerability. And so, you know, I'm not going to share everything with someone who keeps, who holds themselves, you know, really tightly under guarded, you know, walls. Um, the idea of emotional availability is that idea of someone who is also going to meet that same energy, right? If someone is showing up, their best representative and either romantically or even as a friend, but you don't really see any cracks or emotional um, willingness to get in that space with you. That's not someone that you're going to have a hard day with, right? Some of us have friends who we can show up and, you know, be the life of the party and have a really good time. But if I'm having a rough day, you know, if somebody says, God, you're just being kind of a bummer, <laughs> 
or, you know, you're, you're really, you're kind of being a suck today. Um, that's not somebody I'm going to be a suck with. That's not somebody I'm going to be vulnerable with. That's not somebody I'm going to allow myself to be sensitive or to be my whole self with. And so really recognizing who are the people in your life that you can be your whole self with, with a wide range of emotions, not just the good ones. Um, and if these people are in your life regularly, so we talk a lot about like family members or your partners or, you know, people that you're close to, if you can't have a hard day around them and you feel like, oh, I, you know, it's, it's more of a drain for me to spend time with them when, when my emotional capacity is low, then they're not the ones you're going to be emotionally vulnerable with. That is where you can set a boundary. That is where you can acknowledge you know, who is going to be present with you. And I didn't say they're for you. That is something to consider. Uh, that is a separate thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Hydration. Who is going to be emotionally present with you is someone that you can be emotionally vulnerable with. And you don't have to have all your walls up. You can just say like, I am having a hard day. And they're not going to rush in to fix it. They're not going to rush in to like change it or be like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. They're going to be like, what's going on? You know, tell me, tell me what you need. Now, for those of us who have taken care of other people's needs, we can list all the things that they might need. Um, and some people don't respond well to that. They're just going to be like, I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to be present. It's really easy to externalize that idea of taking care of other people because that's what we've done probably for the majority of our lives. And that's how we feel validated and rewarded in connection is if I am there for you, then we don't have to look at my shit, <laughs> which is kind of gross when you think about it that way. Um, but that's how we feel good about ourselves, right? Like I know for myself, there have been times when I feel really good when I can jump in and problem solve and listen. And I'm like, don't worry about like that's, it's been a really validating thing for me. What it also does is it deflects from my own shit. I don't have to, I don't have to feel my feelings, but we're feeling your, we're going to feel your feelings today. I love that for you. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, when you think about it in that context, it just doesn't feel as good. It kind of feels gross. Um, so these are things to consider, like, okay, who's going to get in there and be present with you, right? They don't have to fix it. They don't have to change anything. They just have to be present with you. That's somebody you might want to be emotionally vulnerable with. And if they're not, right? So I want you to think about this other concept, right? So there are people that love to get in your shit. They love it when you are like broken and all fucked up and they're like, oh, tell me more about that. Think about this. That's their Cody, right? Um, but you are not necessarily going to be safe with them if you are not having a bad day, right? Because we don't want, some people just want to get in the shit with us. Like some people just want to be present when things are all messy. And this is something to consider. Part of that is because it makes them feel better. Just going to let that land for a second. It's gross, but it's true. And what I know to be true is like from a therapeutic perspective as the therapist, there are people in my clients' lives who really love it when they're broken and fucked up. And so then when they start getting better and they start like managing their own stuff, those people aren't around. 
those people, instead of being like fair weather friends, they're like stormy weather friends. They're like, ooh, I love it when you're all drama and chaos. And then you start getting better and you start having boundaries and you start like feeling good about life and all the things. And then they dip. They're just like, oh, you're all boring now. Look at you all fucking healthy. Um, gross. But also, you know, really recognizing they're not someone that you're going to be emotionally vulnerable with. Sometimes when we are in our own mess, like we aren't paying attention to those people, right? But when you recognize there are people in your life who love the drama, who love the chaos, and when you're feeling better, they take off. Those aren't people you want to be emotionally vulnerable with. And the boundary is going to be, you know what, I'm actually doing okay. And if you just want to hang out in a positive way and all those things, that's great. But I don't have anything to share with you right now. Like, I'm good. And then they're, they kind of leave, like, those are not your people, right? Here's the other gross part. If you are those people, that's something to consider, you know? I had to get my emotional vulnerability and my, my own code in check before I got into uh, doing therapy. And there are lots of therapists that are really good about it that are just like, tell me what's going on. I don't, I, I, we don't want to process and rehash all your shit every day. What I want to do is I want to give you tools and skills, and then I want to see you working on them. I want to see you using them. That's helpful to me. I do not want to reprocess all the things over and over and over because it's not helpful to you, right? So that is something I had to get in check. I used to be the friend who, you know, people would come to and talk about the same dude and all the things and all the stuff like over and over and over. And at some point I was just like, dude, do something else. Like that's not helpful. But I also had to recognize for myself, I have to deal with my own shit too. I didn't want to be that girl who showed up at happy hour all the time crying about the stupid dude or crying about the job I didn't have or the life that I didn't, whatever. Like I didn't want to be that girl. So I had to fix it and work on my own shit. All of this is emotional vulnerability. All of these things are things to be aware of so that you can recognize how to set the boundary. And you can't set the boundary if you don't know these things. So, uh, grew up in the nineties and <laughs> as I was doing the writing, um, this phrase kind of came up and for any of you who have watched pretty woman, there's a point where, um, Julie Roberts says to her coworker, uh, we say who we say when we say how much, um, we do the same thing with emotional boundaries, really recognizing we say who identifying who we are safe, sharing our emotional stuff with we say when and or where um you know i have been known to cry at happy hour i have been known to cry everywhere because that's what i do um but i do recognize that in the elevator processing all of these things even on the phone probably not really safe so we say when and even saying like i do not have the emotional capacity to process all of this so can we talk about this later when i've had some time to think about it that is a boundary right and then we say, how much? How much do I share with you? How much am I able to be vulnerable? How much am I able to really go deep in these relationships, right? I can tell you that um, there are certain people in my life, and I'm super grateful for them, that I can go really deep because I live now, especially, in this state of constantly processing my emotions. Do I do that with everyone? No. Am I doing that on TikTok? Not necessarily. Am I doing it here on Instagram? Yes, I am. But, <laughs> and on the podcast. 
But part of that is to model it for you that I can go through an emotion. I don't have to live there. Um, I don't necessarily have to have the same amount of walls that I had, I have had my whole life. Um, and so that's the other thing. So I say who, who is the person that I can share these with or the people I say when and or where, um, you know, doing these things and, and going into a space or a situation when I am emotionally raw and vulnerable does not feel safe for me. So my boundary is really recognizing what is my emotional capacity to be able to have these interactions. Um, if I'm having a rough day and I have to go to work, I should probably manage my stuff before I go into that space, right? I should probably make sure that I journal or I call my accountability buddy and I check in and I say, hey, I'm having a really rough day and I have a long day ahead of me. Can I just process with you, right? That is an opportunity for you to set that emotional boundary for yourself, but also, you know, letting people know, hey, do you have the capacity so that we can process these things? I'm having a really rough day. If I say no, I, you know, I also have a really long day ahead of me. And so it's going to take me a minute. Um, then it gives the opportunity for that other person to make other arrangements, right? Um, I love it when my siblings or my daughter or my friends say, hey, can you call me if you have the space? Can you, um, you know, sit with me if you have the capacity? Then I get to recognize what my emotional capacity is to share space and time with them, right? It is one of my favorite, most beautiful things that my friends have learned to do is to really recognize that, especially when I am constantly raw and emotionally vulnerable, like day in and day out, to ask me if I have the space. It makes a huge difference. And so if you can enter that into your emotional boundary, like toolkit, super helpful, right? And then you get to be aware of what your emotional capacity is. And that can be influenced by if you've eaten, if you're tired, if you had, you know, an argument earlier or a shitty day at work or all of these things, you get to decide how vulnerable you want to be. You get to decide what that boundary looks like and it shifts and changes every day. What I love about the Irish countryside is there are gates everywhere and you get to open or close them at your discretion, right? So really recognizing how to manage your own emotional capacity and your own emotional needs and then recognize who you can open the gate to and who will be there for you and meet you where you're at, right? So all of these are ways to identify the emotional boundary. The essay I'm going to post um, eventually, probably in the next couple days, I need to clean it up a little bit. Hopefully that gives you a better idea of what the emotional boundary looks like. Um, I do love that being live on Instagram is such a different experience than being live on TikTok. It's like a whole vulnerability mess. <laughs> Not my favorite. Um, but I do love, you know, the interaction with the humans that I am interacting with now. And, you know, you go back and listen or watch later. But hopefully that gives you an idea of what that emotional, you know, kind of boundary ball of information looks like so that you can start to be aware of, we say who, we say when, and we say how much, um, which is such a weird thing to be quoting, you know, a movie about prostitution. <laughs> Um, recognizing who you can share those with, 
recognizing the time and place and, and what someone else's capacity is, and then also recognizing your time, place, and capacity for your own emotional vulnerability. When you can allow yourself to be vulnerable and have that emotional awareness, then your connection is actually a lot more um, consistently a quality connection. And meeting someone where they're at, not trying to fix them, not trying to change anything, really does create an equitable exchange of emotions and feelings. And then you actually feel closer to the people that you have in your circle. And I love the people that are in my, in my circle and in my space right now um, because they meet me where I'm at and no one has to do anything. What I love in an unconditional way is that I don't actually need to fix anyone I don't have, nobody needs anything from me right now. Now, my own needs are a little bit more challenging and I'm working on that. Um, allowing myself to have needs and to say, hey, I need somebody to process with or, you know, I need directions to whatever thing. Um, just because I have needs, just because you have needs doesn't make you needy. It just means that you're a human being and you have emotions and that is totally okay. So anyway, that is your nugget. I'm going to finish up the podcast and... Um, if you guys have questions, if you have, if you want to say anything to me, you can send me messages here, um, Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC, and you can also reach me at lx2.cod.coach at gmail. I really appreciate you watching, and I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate all your support. I will be posting um, to the blog um, probably later in the next couple days. I'm here in Piano de Sorento for uh, for two more days and then I'm headed down up north another coastal town I'll be posting pictures um, it's so gorgeous and everything you expect there's literally an alley with Vespas on the thing It's it just blows my mind it's so beautiful <laughs> and I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to come on and share this with you guys um, but I will post pictures and I will see you very soon in a week we'll have another background and, and all the things but Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. So ending the podcast, um, hopefully this gives you some information and some insight so that you can start to create an emotional awareness and then set your boundaries appropriately. Um, really asking for what your needs are and recognizing who you can share, share your emotional self with. I will talk to you soon and I'm going to end the podcast. If you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of me. Take care.